Vince. Hey, Jim. Hi. Hey. And we're going to just, I've recorded a disclaimer that's going to play before this through the magic of technology. So we're just going to skip the disclaimer part. This was one of your suggestions going forward. And this is maybe a micro podcast in that we're going to talk about doing a podcast, what we've learned over the first several and uh, the various mistakes we've made so far. That sound good? Absolutely. Uh, so the, f- the first thing I wanted to bring up, and, and you're really good at this, Vince, but I am not, is that I tend to say, um, all the time. Uh, I say, um, or, you know, or, yeah, that's great. That's a great idea. Yeah. Mm, uh, mm, um, what's the next thing? And that's just so ridiculous on an audio track because it's a bunch of junky nonsense that nobody wants to hear. So I actually have to edit that out. And if you listen to the podcasts, you can, uh, you can imagine that I've put in maybe about five minutes worth of um that I've deleted from the podcast because it, it adds no content. <laughs> so. See, I'm one of those people who tends to be hypercritical of myself. And, and I will avoid even listening to these things because I'll, I'll go back and, and listen to what I was saying and think, what kind of idiot would say it this way? Here's how you would say that you know, when you're, when you're not on the spot or uh, in, oh. in reflection. That is another thing. There are several things that I've listened to over these previous podcasts that I really wish I hadn't said, sort of a, a cul-de-sac or a, a dumb set of ideas that have walked down. And then I've had to somehow repair it or walk it back or sort of pretend like it didn't happen. And I would love to delete those out of the podcast. But of course, they're just intertwined with all the rest of the conversation. So there's no real good way to just be like, I'm going to delete from minute 15 to 23, because honestly, I just sounded like an idiot during that time. I'm just going to have to hope that people forgive me for just being in the spur of the moment and saying something stupid. (laughs) But this translates to, to the office environment in some interesting ways, right? Thinking on your feet and laying out a very coherent argument can be really tough when when you're paying so much attention to what other people are saying, right? And, and there are certain types of people, right, who will completely ignore what everybody else is saying and then give some, some ideas or thoughts that are completely off base from the flow of where things were going because they've just been ignoring everybody while they could put those, those things together in their head. And I tend to, to kind of be there in the moment with people. Well, you do, I mean, if you do that, you do a great job and you are somewhat in the minority, I think it's really hard for people to listen to other people in general. People are just one of those habits that takes development. And you absolutely have those people who have an idea they want to get out and they're just sort of waiting for a gap in the audio stream so they can throw their idea out. That's a difficult person to work with and converse with because you're not really sure whether they've picked up on what you've said. They may just be pretty excited about saying their bit and you might have to go <laughs> go back and reiterate okay that was a good idea let's uh, let's bring that in there but um i also want to make sure that whatever i talked about beforehand does not get lost because of this particular thing that can be that can be pretty difficult i i have found that sometimes it's helpful for me to listen if i have a piece of paper and i jot down the things that i want to get out that the ideas that have come up that someone else is talking that gives me a chance to sort of get it off my brain and focus on listening again it's not perfect. During the time I'm writing, I am having a hard time concentrating on what someone's saying. But at least it gives me a chance to get it off of, you know, oh, I got to remember to say this bit. So I don't know. But there are strategies for what you're calling, like what you're saying is, is active listening, which is 
thinking about what somebody is saying, what argument they are making, and you know what what either response you have to that or what additional facts or you know how to how to pile on right how to be part of that conversation there there was certainly about it was good more than a decade ago and i found myself in the in a meeting with with this one person and she would just go and she didn't care what anybody else you know she didn't care about anybody's time right so she was there to filibuster and, and to rant <laughs> and and it was it was so, there was so much nonsense in it that i used to like tune out and it would be on my phone in this meeting room, like always checking email or doing something else. And I realized I could actually learn more by actively listening to this, this person and think about everything wrong with what they are saying. And that's actually more entertaining than doing this stuff on my phone. There, there is something there of uh, learning from someone else's bad example. Uh, that the fun of that expires after a while. You can definitely you can definitely get some some good stuff out of that, but it can be trouble troublesome. I so think it's a good way to be it's a good way to be passive, right? And to at least like to to keep attention in what's going on. Now the next thing, right, is then all right. Well, how do you be a little? How are you a little less passive in this when somebody wants to to go and and is willing to filibuster like that? How do you make yourself part of that conversation? And one of the things you were saying before, right, is gaps in that conversation and it's just like traffic right where people like to keep certain space between cars but some people like more than others yeah right when somebody will cut in front of me and i think that's not even remotely enough space to do that what a jerk and they may be thinking oh god look at all that space i need to get over there while while getting is good (laughs) yeah and it's the same in conversation right some people expect pauses and, and you're waiting for somebody to finish what they're saying. And other people say, oh, that's somebody finished. And now they're waiting for me to respond. And, you know, I, I, need, I can't let them down. I need, to, I need to jump in and say something here. Oh, yeah. I, I, there, so there are two parts there. There's the sort of selfish, hey, I, I want to say my bit. Great. There's a gap. I can say my bit. And then there's the uh, more admirable, this person is expecting me to be coming back and showing that I am active in this conversation. Let, let me bring some information back that can be helpful. And, and that of course is a more admirable way to go. And people, and, and I do that sometimes I do find that in those kind of situations, I can sometimes fill in a whole bunch of conversation with almost just filler nonsense until I assemble the thought that is supposed to be actually being delivered just to show the other person that I'm part of the conversation. I don't think that's really valuable, but it's a social thing. Um, but so this is really important in office environments, right? When when you talk about decision making and leadership, because a lot of people mistake leadership for being the loudest person in the room, right? Or being that person with command presence. And that maybe is talking over people rather than listening to what they have to say. It's right doling out information. And, and you certainly see environments, right, where, where people do all of that stuff. They will say more, they will be louder, and they will be the ones to, to, to be more successful in certain types of environments, even though there may be somebody in the room, right, who, who's a bit more introverted, who may even have much better ideas, but isn't able to find a break in that conversation and a, and a chance to articulate them. Or you end up waiting so long that it's stressful when you actually do get that chance to say something and you you stumble a little bit 
and yeah. look at what that does right to your command presence in, I in that environment. I, I often sort of to help with uh, over passivity in a conversation if it if it feels like I've been going a little too long is almost just try to say a little bit of almost anything just to get comfortable being back in the the conversation part of it rather than hey I've been listening a long time this next bit that I say has to has to really bring the value because otherwise why have I been quiet for seven minutes or something so you just say a little something just to be like yeah you know we're all in a conversation that's pretty cash yeah. and, and that that makes it a little bit easier but I, I do like to think that over time like culturally obviously going back to like evolution kind of thing the person who's the loudest the most aggressive in the room is probably the person who is sort of leading the, the bunch of cavemen around or something it is nice that we are moving towards uh, a much more data-driven uh, metrics driven analysis of things and so if you are paying attention to the right measurements you yeah. can decide whether or not that person who is loud is saying anything of value or if they are just taking up space and not being particularly contributive. And it gets back to other um, rituals that we have, right, in, in IT environments, the concept of the stand-up, right, where everybody gets their chance. Oh, to, to, very good. Yeah, very democratic. Right. And I've been to some really amazing – I've worked with some really amazing leaders, right, who would do that sort of stand-up. In, in airlines, we did that. You know, we had our uh, flight operations at 8 a.m. sharp every day, and uh, everybody had to be prepared for that, right? So you'd have to be prepared by like 7.30, and then, you know, there you go. Always fun. And, nice, bright and eye. Airline, right? But that's like a, a, you know, a command and control type environment led through sheer willpower and knowing that we have a shared mission, and it takes all of us to accomplish that sort of mission. And in IT, it's so much work just gets relegated out and and gets handled behind the scenes that you definitely you know you tend to get some strong personalities in leadership who will dominate those types of conversations and then the the doers right who who may be even more introverted sometimes right just always get stuck in that doing and they have to hear people ramble who don't know what they're really talking about and that happens so much in it yeah and i would just encourage everybody try to work on those communication skills over time because you do have something to say. It's probably better than what you're hearing. It's just to figure out how to say it in those types of environments. So so this is a totally different conversation for a different time. But but one of the things I realized uh, hiring people was that there was a certain type of person that I would hire who had a certain type of positive, not aggressive, but a little bit more forward presentation uh, willingness to speak up all the time. And, and those people tended to be the people I hired. And then watching over time and how people performed, I was like, there's this other group of people who is quieter, a little less willing to take a responsive, uh, take a credit for accomplishments, which doesn't necessarily interview as well. And if you can, but those kind of people actually got stuff done. You know, they were critical to teams executing well because they would find all the gaps where people weren't working on things and fit the, you know, make those things happen. Obviously not every single quiet person is a rock star and not every single person who likes to lead is an ass, but you know, I found that I had to change what I was looking for in recruiting because I was, I I just had an internal tendency to to probably pick people who are like me in in a lot of ways, right? I think that's pretty common uh, complaint with interviewers that pick the people who are just like them. But, but then it also shows, right, the responsibility of leadership to, to try to bring the right mix onto the team 
And then how do you encourage, right, these different types uh, through the, just the course of business, right? You have to, you know, you have to call out the people who are not, who are not very vocal and you have to do it without, without putting them on the spot, right? Because you don't want, you know, to somebody who's scared of public speaking, you don't want to call them out in a meeting and make them say something. They're going to hate you for that. And they're going to, they're going to feel so much personal stress going through that. But you want to figure out how do I get, I know this person has something really good to add here. How can I encourage them you know, to, to share that with everybody else? And you know it's what, that's, that's probably worse now during remote work than it was before, just because of the way, if you're talking in a Zoom meeting with 40 other people and you start talking, you're the face of the entire meeting. Everyone can suddenly see you know, what exactly you're you know, wearing, what's behind you, what's going on with the, the bathroom where the doors open behind you and things like that. Yeah. And that may be really something that people don't want to, to like take on as a, as a casual thing. Other people don't care. They, they like being, being in the front. But those, those people you're trying to sort of develop their ability to uh, push their ideas, which are good ideas, forward those people may have it even worse during a remote session than they do yeah. in a normal business meeting. Well, look how easy it is, right, to, to mute your uh, video. I mean, honestly, too many people just start off with video muted by default. And how easy it is to mute your mic and then start looking at another screen, right, with news or something else going on, which, which is always dramatic these days. <laughs> and, yeah, you know, it's super easy to get distracted you know, once you start. Sheryl Sandberg called leaning in. Right for women, like you know, be be a, try to be an active participant in these things, and and just assume that what you have to say has some merit and value. Oh yeah, and there's uh, there's some intrinsic evidence for that, right? You wouldn't have been hired if you weren't considered to be a valuable contributor. This train that is about to drive off a cliff could absolutely be the direction of this train could absolutely be changed with the right contributing modifications to it and if you know those modifications there may be no one else in the group that realizes that this needs to be done even though the guy who's talking all the time seems to have a, a strong vision of where things are going maybe totally missing the important details that actually get it yeah. solved so now, yeah, it's definitely and, and there are people right who, who go through this this stuff in, in corporate environments for so long that at some point you just say all right well i'll let somebody else do the talking. I don't want to anymore. I just want to chill out, be left alone and do my work. And I want to bow out of all of that stuff. And that's okay. But, you know, they are missing an opportunity for some just improvement and some, you know, just the opportunity to do something else with their communication style. And some people don't want that anymore, right? They don't, they don't get any personal satisfaction or any ego into the job, right? They have family lives, they do other things, and they're confident that they're enough without having to add and work on those sorts of things. And yeah. that's certainly okay. Please then meet with them in private, right? Get their opinions on certain things, still try to use their input in some way. It's important. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you, you couldn't, it's a, it's a rare team where you can just give someone a bunch of tasks and have them complete those tasks and, and turn them in. And then you're like, well, that's all we want out of this person is to just kind of, you know, knock these particular, you know, checkpoints off. And, and other than that, they don't really have anything to add. Um, 
but that's so easy from a management theory standpoint, right? Because, all right, then they're a fungible resource. They, they do X amount of work units in some period of time. And as long as I can allocate work via that sort of model, I don't have to worry about interpersonal dynamics or individual development or skill sets. Um, Absolutely. It's very easy to like leave the humanity out of it, right? With that sort of thinking. Yeah. And, you know, if you are an employee and this is kind of your relationship with your manager, you might find that your manager has figured out a fungible replacement for you at some point, which isn't great. Yeah. <laughs> you, want, you probably want to stay employed. Um, yeah. The, the thing I, I thought of a long time ago, which has been sort of a successful uh, work process for me over time, is here you talk to your manager, you develop a relationship with your manager, and you find out what's stressing them out. And you work on that problem. Obviously, the thing that is stressing your manager out as much as possible, if you can lighten their load, take something off their shoulders, they're going to be like, that guy's, that guy's really helping me out. I definitely uh, think he's got the XYZ uh, characteristics that are you know, definitely worth fostering and, and growing. Uh, that involves a certain amount of creativity and empathy, which most people find very rewarding. Um, and uh, can help you identify ways to grow in your job that you wouldn't you wouldn't find otherwise if you if you were just sort of like hey it's a very very transactional task based operation we have here I'm given stuff I complete it give me something else I complete yeah. that some people are happy with that but it's a it's a strategically possibly a more tenuous relationship. But that's actually really good advice, right? So two sides to that coin. One is you want employees who don't cause more problems for you. <laughs> which, which, which they can do, right? Just by generally. I've been guilty of that in the past. Yes. And it I, wasn't I mean, a great managerial relationship, I remember. <laughs> but then the next step is, all right, who actually make problems that you already have go away, right? Yeah. That's Those ideal. The, that's what you want. Yeah, if you can, if I could just have a team of those guys, when, when I have teams of those guys or people like that, those people are amazing. I love those people. Yeah. I'm like, take this, take this problem make it so I don't have to think about this problem anymore. And then I will, when it comes time to bonus people, I will remember you well. Yeah. <laughs> one of the, one of a, a really old paper, it's a one pager that, that I, I encourage everybody to read that has really stuck with me over time. Uh, it's called the doctrine of completed staff work. Okay. Yeah. This was a military thing from, I don't know, but long before I was born. And it basically says, your job isn't to come and present ideas and half-baked plans and have the manager fix them and decide for you. Your job is to come to them with something ready to sign off that is your absolute best work. And if you can give, give them that, something that all they have to do is sign, it lets, you know, it lets your superiors know you've got it and they can worry about other things. And I've had, so at one point, kind of two bosses, right? My, my main customer was just amazing. But my actual boss in IT was a horrible monster, right? <laughs> Who would want to micromanage everything. And I hated doing work for him. But the other guy who was, who was my customer, anytime I would walk into his office and need his signature on something, he would sign it. He wouldn't even, he wouldn't even read and go through it. And what that did for me is I would never let him down, right? I, 
I would right. never want to. He, he had a whole enormous amount of trust in you. Yeah. Right. So I would give him my absolute best work. The other guy, F that guy. I don't care. I'm going to do the kind of the bare minimum for him. Right. Because the, 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 the thing that's going to come from him as a result is, no, you should do it this way, that way. You did it wrong. Yeah. You, you need to do this other so, thing. doesn't matter how much work you're going to do for him. You're still going to get that kind of response. That's right. And he thought, you know, maybe he thought his way of adding value was to find problems. Oh, yeah. Oh, my goodness. Please, if you're listening to this, don't be that person. <laughs> so I would say it can be really empowering if you expect your people to do that completed staff work, right? To give you something that's ready for your signature. And if you can trust them with doing that sort of thing, they're more inclined to do their absolute best work for you. Yeah, I definitely, uh, definitely agree with that. I'm still trying to th- trying to think of a response for the, the, the guy who's uh, nitpicking and finding fault and finding corrections. And uh, other than, you know, please don't do that. If you find yourself in that kind of relationship with your employees, please get out of it. Uh, it's, it's, it's easy to change, but you just have to change it. Not, well, easy might be the wrong word. It, it's a habit. habit I, I think there is, there is a time and a place for it. And sometimes when starting off with, with a new team or a new person, you need some way to clarify, like to clarify your expectations or what you think great work is. So absolutely, yes, definitely at that what time. I need from them. And it's, it's not through persistent micromanagement, but it is that, maybe clarifying. We're going to work through the first one or two assignments together so I can help you understand exactly what I look for and, and what I want, you know, out of your sort of work. And you, then you need to know, let them do it. Or they may come back and ask you, all right, I think this is exactly what you want. Let me know if you think there are any things that maybe I, I didn't do the way that you wanted. But you need to figure out how to let go of that sort of nitpicking because that, that's what it can be. And that can be so demoralizing for people. Yep, definitely when you're starting out, you're going you're gonna to need to be pretty clear about what's expected and you know, obviously people appreciate that because they want to succeed and they want to do well. So they want to, they want to know what sort of the boundaries are. And there's going to be three or four frank conversations about what's expected and what's not, you know, not acceptable and what is acceptable and is going to go a long way towards steering people in the right direction. You do it yeah. early rather than six months or a year in because it gets a lot worse a year in. So. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Don't surprise people come, come review time. Right. That, that's that's just a horrible practice. I have been super irritated with this behavior for the last year, and now I can finally unload on you. It is not a, a way to have a healthy relationship with someone. Yeah. Like, so back to the original topic here, right? It was, we were actually just doing a retrospective of, of our, our own communication styles and how we went about talking about these things for a podcast. And we went on to a little bit of how do some of these things work in virtual teams? But a lot of these things, right? The principle is the same, right? Around clarifying expectations for people and how you communicate with people. And sometimes, right, this becomes harder in a virtual environment because the bandwidth is so limited. So like find ways to increase that sort of bandwidth, right? First is like video is good. You can see when somebody looks like they're about to say something on video and you can maybe give them a chance. I want to pause you there. I want to pause you there. We've been going for about maybe 20 minutes or so, maybe 15 minutes. We can go fully into how to do remote management. 
that would probably be another half hour. Do we want to like cut this here and be like, ah, let's have a mini one, you know, on this and then start one on remote management? How do you want to work that? I, I think that's great. All right. Uh, it's, so it's good for us to enforce some sort of structure rather than just getting on and rambling, right? Yeah, which, I, I, which I love rambling. As well. <laughs> right? Not against rambling. All right, let's cut it. We're cutting it here through the magic of technology. Okay, standard disclaimer here. The views, information, or opinions expressed are solely the views of the individuals involved and do not represent the views of any third party. Where guests appear, the views of those guests are solely their views and no one else accepts responsibility for them. We don't verify the accuracy of the information expressed and we are not responsible for this information. We assume no responsibility or liability for any errors or admissions in the content. The information is provided on an as-is basis with no guarantee of completeness, accuracy, usefulness, or timeliness. The information, opinions, and recommendations presented here are for general information only and any reliance on the information provided here is done at your own risk. This should not be considered professional advice. Thank you.